Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to Real Adventures. Good morning and welcome to Real Adventures from wherever you are right around the country. Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Habgood joining you this morning to talk all things fishing, boating and the great outdoors. Redmond, good morning to you. Good morning, mate. How are we travelling? Going well. Now, you've got, uh, you've got your barrel talk a little later mm. today. Today being Saturday, depending on when you are listening to our uh, show. Uh, different, different times around the country, mm. depending on when it goes to where or, or whether you are... You're podcasting the show, which you can do from wherever you get your podcasts and download your podcasts which, right around the country. Which means that you've probably missed the barrel talk because <laughs> that was a twi- that's a 12 o'clock today. <laughs> which means you have 100% you've missed the barrel talk. Um, looking forward to it. Should be good, Yeah, mate. no, I actually am. It's going to be very – it's going to be different to a lot of other things. So The ability to walk through people's boats and show them exactly how to set up their own rigs is pretty special. Yeah, well, it's going to it's going to be on my boat as such, so more on my boat. So it's going to be my boat's going to be at Melbourne Marine Centre. Yep. Uh, To be honest with you, I might actually pull out a new North Bank at Melbourne Marine. I am taking mine to get service, but it will be there. But I I might just pull out a new one because my one's not a real good. You've still got skeletons. Yeah, people will actually get diseases if they set my boat. (laughs) Like I'm like you thought COVID was bad. Wait till you get in my boat. (laughs) No, uh, so we might we might do that, but it's just going to be real one on like one on one for the amount of people that are there. It's not a lot of people. It's just going to yeah, it's going to be like some people don't like asking questions and. I've spent a lot of time on the computer trying to get this right. So well, this is set up so there are no dumb questions. It's set up so no, you can ask dumb, the question that is dumb and not feel like you're being judged. Oh, I'm a prick. No, <laughs> it's uh, it's just going to be just to dumb it down, as you just said. To dumb it down, it's going to be starting from the start right through to the end. And the good thing is, I've got a couple of people help me out with the talk, so we can we can do things that. I guess shows the way fish do things as well. Like so, leading fish up, how much pressure you can put. How they on behave them. once you hook them. Well, people don't know how to lead fish, Pat. And like, if I was to say to you, for example, grab this leader and pull a fish up, like you wouldn't have a clue where that breaking strain was. Can you can you dumb this down even further? Talk to me about leading fish. What do you mean by that? So we get a big fish up, and the hardest thing to do is it's all good to hook a fish and it's all good to fight a fish, but getting that thing into the boat or to release it is. The hardest thing to do. So you mean leading it up with the line? So how actually, you do that. so I like traditionally most people run wind on leaders, and I like running wind on leaders. And once that wind on hits the tip of the rod, the double goes through, the yep. wind on comes through. It's game on. That's when you got to do your best work. So that's about You've not got necessarily a doing fifty kilo fish thrashing next to your boat. Yep. You've got potentially sharp eyes. You experienced this last yep. week. We'll <laughs> delve into that a little later in the show. Um, around um, foolproofing and how things can go wrong. But this is the stage where you've got a really big fish right next yep. to the boat where things can go long and you, wrong and you can lose that fish of a lifetime. It is, and it's about controlling the weight of the fish. 
Uh, it's about utilizing before you actually get the lead, the wine on on the rod. It's about utilizing the rod so the drag pressures are set right. Like a lot of people will back the drag off when the fish come to the boat. I actually don't like doing that as such. I like putting the heat on it a bit more because to finish that fight. And then once you've got fatigue the fatigue, the fish. Yeah, you're trying to. That's the one you can hurt the fish the most. When yeah. it's, uh, like it hurts you too, but that last five to eight meters is the hardest bit, Pat. It really is. So. Getting that leader up on your hand, how to position the line on your hand so you don't do damage to your hand, how to get a nice wrap in it. It's not marlin wrapping or anything like that. Yep. It's just basic tuna wrapping. I've got different techniques that I like to use that I'm going to show you. But the good thing is the breaking strain is the hardest bit that people don't understand. you got a 150-pound leader. Like, we'll halve it. We'll halve it with pounds, etc. I'm not yep. a mathematician. Yep. So, say 70 kilo at 140. So, say 70 kilo. That's a lot of weight before that line technically breaks. And I can guarantee you the breaking strain on that weight of that like would be even a little bit more than that. Oh, yep. So I'm going to just show you examples of I'm going to tie stuff to the hook so people can pull the end of it to see. And I'll be leading up to show you how much breaking strain can actually come through that line so you can allow pressure, so you can actually have pressure that on the fish. I'm also going to show you different ways. So I'm going to have act scenarios of where the wind's going to be pushing on the boat well i can't utilize the wind there but i'm going to have kane and the boys help me by trying to push under the boat like they're going to try and pull the leader under the boat under the engine so i and ways to move your boat out of those positions and things like that just just there's so much stuff there but it's going to be very visual yeah that's probably the easiest way to explain it plus you all you got your basics you got your rigging you've got um setting drags you've got harnessing is a very important one that people don't do correct and it sounds dumb but i reckon 80 plus percent of people don't put a harness on properly to fight a fish it's just a joke mm. and you put it on wrong the amount of strain that goes yes it's easier because you're tied to the rod but the amount of strain that goes through your back is just stupid you're gonna hurt yourself and not yeah. only that you're gonna get pulled in too so you need to be sitting with your ass in that seat nicely so you can lift up this fish so there's so many things we're going to cover today and, and i'm really really looking forward to this Hey, uh, since launching in 1988 the sanctuary cove international boat show redmond it has evolved into a four-day celebration of aquatic lifestyle uh, with more than 300 exhibitors, 600 boats on the water. And I think last year there was more than 40,000 people that attended the Sanctuary Cove International Boat Show. Now, it is coming up 25th to the 28th of May. And there's some pretty exciting, well, certainly from my point of view, uh, you tend to get less excited by these things, Um <laughs> New boat brands hitting the Australian marketplace and debuting. Norwegian high-end uh, day boat brand Hydrolift is celebrating its Australian official launch at the boat show. Now, there's a few different sort of models that are slated for the Aussie market. That includes the 6.7-metre Hydrolift, uh, the 8.1-metre Hydrolift, which that maxi trailer boat you know, is becoming more and more popular in the Australian marketplace. And the other one is the 9.6-metre Hydrolift, the X32DC Dual Console Sports Cruiser. So a bit happening in this space. Is there one particular boat or motor? I know you love all things sort of max high-end horsepower, which I dare say would be Mercury's 400-plus range yeah. when it comes to the... When it comes to the boat show, I was just going to say, I uh, to see things in person. Mm. I think I asked you a couple of weeks back, have you seen these engines that Mercury do in person? And that's the beauty of what we experienced last year with the Melbourne International yep. Boat Show for the very first time. 
being able to actually go on water. 100%. And to be able to see these engines in person, and then you've got the on-water aspect of it, which yeah. I didn't even think of then, but just seeing these big engines next to you, they are ginormous. Yeah. Like, they are such <laughs> yeah. a big engine, like, in a good way. But they're 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 a big engine, and you just picture trying to put these on a boat, thinking, how do these work? But they do. And I think uh, I would like to see one. Would you put a 400 on your 750? Or would you just stick to twin 200s? Well, we, you and I, when was this? Tw- was this 2017? We went to Mission Beach. We went up yep. and filmed a, Jeez, that's uh, a long time an outdoor show. Now. Yeah, feels feels like it was a long time ago. <laughs> that was a 750 North Bank with a 350 Merc. That, yep. did, that did 40 odd knots. So 100%. That, that, was a, that was a really well matched yep. boat. The other one, th- this is more global. Um, and it was teased at the Miami Boat Show, but the HCB65 Estrella. Now, if in I, English, if you need to <laughs> a picture of this, picture Miami American center consoles and ginormous. Oh, you sent me this, yeah. Sixty-five feet long, packing six six hundred horsepower. Six six hundred. Six. 600 horsepower Mercury V12 Verado outboard engines. Now, this particular manufacturer, their max, you know how every manufacturer has a, you know, recommended horsepower range and a maximum <laughs> horsepower range. Their maximum horsepower range is listed officially as unlimited. And this is a 65-foot center console. That. When they first released this thing in 2018, uh, it had four... 425 horsepower Yamaha V8s. So now they're packing six 600 Mercury racing outboards. Unfrickin' believable, this thing. So Biggest what does the insurance say? What's your horsepower unlimited? And it's like, eh, here's a idiot. Well, that's a good point. So this is the largest um, horsepower-powered boat in the world. That's why we're mentioning it this morning on Real Adventures. So you won't see that at the Sanctuary Cove Boat Show, but you will start to see... Oh, I thought it was going to be there. I was only going to get a plane no, up to see that. No, you will start to see far larger maxi trailable um, boats. And, of course, the beauty of Sanctuary Cove is that the on-water element of actually visiting the boats, stepping aboard them. You know, you, you're seeing boats in the 30 to 50, 60, 70-plus foot range, uh, which is pretty special, Remnant. Yeah, well, speaking of boats, let's go into the kayak scene. Oh, wow, boy. Now, from what's the Glen- in, at Glenelg in South Australia, yes, right through to Hawaii, <laughs> did you see uh, old mate Bruce try and eat that kayak during the week? Yeah, unbelievable. Tiger so shark. A What was it? One and a half metre tiger shark has been filmed. Oh, the guy thought one, it was Jesus. a turtle. Look at the, Yeah, because they've got the round head, so I don't understand what Thought way. it was a turtle coming up. Saying, you know, coming up to say, there was a turtle poking its head out of shell in his pants. I can promise you that because (laughs) unbelievable. It was literally like so doing the no one would believe him. No, doing the social rounds, um, seven news, nine news. They all had had this um, publicised on their on their socials, and you can follow Real Adventure socials. But this guy's it looks like somewhat of a sort of Hobiecraft kayak, and the thing just launches out of the water. Have you ever been? Has your boat been attacked? I know you you did a couple of weeks ago when you were fishing yeah. for barrels. Have you? I've got been um, attacked by sharks. Like I've got that? a couple of mako teeth in my new engine at the moment. Yep, bastard. He <laughs> come up and just didn't just barely, have a look. Oh, he more than had a look. It's supposedly they're attracted to the anodes, uh, which is the electrolysis that runs through that. So the anodes in your engine obviously attract the electrolysis, so you don't get electrolysis damage through your your engine. Yeah, and I think that's what attracts the sharks. It triggers their nose and they bite your engine. 
and I've got some big teeth marked down the side of my hull, my engine at the moment. Like I've probably got five. Oh, that have to be say three centimeters long scratches in on the side of my engine from these from a Mako. But I've never had anything like that happen. But yeah, you've you, you see some cool things in the ocean. And you're always going to. So it's these sharks that do this thing. People don't. People got. You're in their world. You've just got to accept it. Like you just you're put in a kayak. You're sitting on a little platform in the ocean where tiger sharks live. It's going to check you out if it wants mm. to check you out. And people say to you, when you're diving, Pat, if you're a diver and people say, well, how many sharks have you seen? I say none, but I can guarantee you a thousand see me. But if you do have the pleasure to see one under the water, be grateful that you've actually had the pleasure to see it. Enjoy that moment because if you've seen it before, if you've seen it, that means they don't care about you. They're yeah, not interested in it's you. When they it's when they haven't seen you and that's the time. <laughs> well, you haven't gonna, seen Exactly. Them that's the time when it's, yeah, if you, sorry, if you haven't seen them, that's the time that they're going to take the bite out of you. So... I love sharks. I reckon they're... Oh, we're going to actually talk about it um, in a few... Oh, I did say it, and I didn't even do the research because I totally forgot, but I should do it still. And do you think that sharks... I'm going to ask you now because you've got a minute here. Do you think that sharks now... And actually, Trapman Bermagui posted a, a post during the week. There was a freeding frenzy of sharks behind this boat, and it was about a kilometre long. What was it? Do you think sharks... Well, it was just well, a feeding frenzy of commercial boat, that, and these that, sharks that sounds, were just following it. That sounds a bit better. Commercial boat, sorry. Feeding frenzy. Feeding frenzy. It was a tongue twister. Now, so do you think, do you think that sharks should be endangered as such? Like they're becoming prolific. Like they really, as someone that fishes on the water. No, I do. Great whites, absolutely. You you happy with them protected? Great whites, because yep. there's, there's something. There's a mystique about great whites that are that is spectacular. It's a bit like makos as well. All sharks, for me. So shortfin mako, they're not in danger. They're they're on the list, but we're allowed to catch them. You, you mentioned it before. You're going into their domain. Yep. So I don't have a problem. So should we be allowed to catch them though? Not, should we be allowed to catch whites. a great white? No. Well, they're going to be a challenge to catch. The chances of actually landing it's going to be very hard. Well, we nearly fished them to oblivion. What about dolphins? I'm going to get to some. <laughs> I'm going to get to some four by four news before we hit the break. Hey, there's some reports out of South Africa at the moment suggesting. Speaking that, of great whites, that yes, absolutely suggesting that the Toyota Hilux Ute and the Fortuna SUV. Remember the old Forerunner in the '90s and so rebadged Fortuna, depending on where you are around the globe, uh, could pick up a mild hybrid powertrain as soon as potentially next year. Now, there's slated a a uh, model upgrade for the Hilux back end of 2023, they're saying. Now, these are sort of loose reports. This was from uh, carmag.co.za. Um, and they they had some um, they had a visit from Toyota Executive Vice President Hirokai uh, Nakajima suggesting development of the electrification of the Hilux and Fortuna and reinforcing that this was an area that Toyota is going to invest in. Uh, whether it makes a huge difference to how um, the car runs, probably not. Like it, it wouldn't be like the brand's Synergy Drive system that features in the, the RAV4, Corolla and Camry. This is more likely, they're saying, to feature a 48-volt electronic uh, system that you know slightly improves um, boost and a bigger battery may allow you to, and I quote, allow longer idle stops at, intervals interviews which means you know stop at the brake lights and they, it stays off for longer uh, the other one just speaking quickly speaking of brake lights after that I think the electric, electric torque needs to go to a brake <laughs> last one the 2023 Ford Bronco SUV has been spotted in right hand drive ooh 
begging the question, is Australia finally the next step for Ford's Toyota uh, Land Cruiser 70 and Jeep Wrangler rival? Is it, could it potentially how many other countries? Australia? How many other countries drive on the right-hand side? I would have no idea. No, either do I. Well, you, you go to the Americas, obviously. But being incredibly popular over in the US, mm. uh, but we're yet to see it. The other one, it's just while we're on the US, is the Ford Ranger Ute has the new generation, uh, has been revealed 18 months in the US after the rest of the world. So it is now um, in the US, built by Ford on the outskirts of Detroit, um, and it's pretty much the same model that we get in Australia. The only difference is um, they have a socket universal adapter in the middle of the car that hits 400 watt power output and they remove that in Australia. 400 watts? Yes. What do you need that for in your car? Well, we have one that's 230, but they actually... 230? They've, they've since removed it in Australia because of... To give people perspective, a standard hub iPhone charger is about 20 or 30 watts. I run a 120 watt at home for my Mac. That's a lot of power. It is. A, like, yep. Charge a GoPro in seconds. Well, that's... The whole point of it. I suppose the point of it, yeah. So a little bit of 4x4 news heading into the break for Real Adventures this morning, Redmond. After the break, uh, and a little later in the show, we're catching up with Gwaine Blake, your partner in Salt God. He's going to discuss his recent trip down to the Glenelg River. He's also, he's about, I think it's about three months into his new Stabycraft Ultra Cab 202250, so we're going to discuss that with him. But after the break, we'll be finding out what's biting in your part of the country, all for the whip around. You're listening to Real Adventures. Welcome back to Real Adventures. It's now time for the whip around. We find out what's biting in your part of the country. Redmond, we kick off with New South Wales. Mullawake stocking success. This is great. Now, and it's not really a report as such, but I, I wanted to throw well, it, it in it is there. a report. It is a report of uh, fish getting released for you to catch so you can report more to us. For the third year running, DPI's marine stocking program has successfully released tens of thousands of healthy Mulloway fingerlings produced by the dedicated team at Port Stephens Fisheries Institute Marine Hatchery. So this is pretty cool. Macquarie, uh, Port Macquarie, sorry, on the New South Wales coast, the Hastings River had recently received 35,600 fingerlings, which is the largest number of juvenile dewies stocked in the system to date. How cool is that? We love that. I do love that. That's why I wanted to report it. Um, can you give me a bit of a billfish update along the east coast? Obviously, they had that swell that just went stupid. Yep. So it's been difficult I, to get decent I reports. I haven't seen around. massive reports on them at yep. all, to be honest with you. I reckon there'll be a few there. Yep. I seriously do, but I haven't seen huge reports. But it's just getting the weather to get out there and, and something. Them. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, 100% it's the weather. You saw yep. that swell on New South Wales coast. It was nice. It did calm down during the week a bit, but I didn't. See many marlin reports. Saw a couple of yellowfin out of Eden that were caught. I did see that, so that's good to see. You know, but the, you know the other report, which was a, a rather interesting one, slightly left of centre. But Paul Worsling, he's been doing a little bit of cod fishing. Now he doesn't exactly name the place where he's fished, but I know he's fished in New South Wales, well over the metre plus cod caught at night. Yeah, uh, they are a big fish. Yeah, there you go. They're a big fish. Yeah. They are a big, fat fish. It's like catching a big plastic bag. <laughs> <laughs> Fishing the run outside of Botany Bay on anchor. This is the key, on anchor. Nice burly trail. Good size fish, uh, fair, sorry, good size eating flathead yep. being caught. So not too big, not too small. Pilchers and bait working in treat. On anchor, though. 
Anchor and Burley is the key. And there's so many. They're literally the best reports coming from as in right now as the water cools off a little bit. Yep. And also huge reports of salmon running through the Sydney Harbour, metal lures, and fish to 70 centimetres. And the report that I read said tonnes of salmon in Sydney Harbour, land-based. Isaac Heaney actually was uh, fishing during the week, I saw on his socials. Oh, I'm glad he's Sydney, catching more fish than he's kicking goals at the moment. Sydney Swan superstar. Hey, 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 easy. Early, hey, early gaff, early gaff. Heading uh, further north, Queensland, there's been some great queen fish caught. Uh, Elliot Heads on micro jigs. So working... If you mark them up down deep. And then working Work the jigs. Yep. And if you see them on top, surfaceless. Simple As in, game. Poppers or I just use subsurface anything yep. those queen poppers yeah you can even use poppers on these things they jump out of the water they annihilate anything these queen fish they are a vicious fish they, yep. once they're on they're on I think you've caught a few of them as well so once they're on they're on and then a huge mango jack coming out of Baffle Creek love that but the thing is slow lure retrieves not normal trying to fire them up the slow retrieves has been working by far the best similar to fishing for barra like really. Yeah, well, usually these things like reactive mango yep. jack bang, they usually nail it. But, th- but they in reckon terms of that barra technique of just about as slow as you can possibly do it. If you think you're doing it slower, I think um, Kim Anderson when we did that trip, yes. he said if you think you're doing it slower, uh, slow, go slower. Yeah, yeah. So keep working it slow. So I'm tipping that's the that's the trick there too. Heading over to the west, Dawesville south of Perth is producing great snapper right now, up to eight kilo. Mm. Squid have been uh, the most popular bait and been the, the most successful bait. Uh, Jew fish off Basarun have been plentiful uh, with some huge fish amongst them. Not all massive, but there are some reports of some really big fish, uh, which is great to hear. Yep, heading over the border to SA, your old neck of the woods, King George Whiting at Arno Bay. Unfortunately, Arno Bay doesn't have that snapper repetition, uh, reputation that it used to have, and hopefully it does in the future. But if you are in the area, the King George Whiting are on fire, and they're a big Whiting as well. The other one is... Go on, pronounce uh, this. Go on. Onkaparinga River. <laughs> I had no idea. I left it for you. The Mulloway there are really good at the moment. They Fish are. over one metre. Now, we spoke uh, earlier in the show the previous segment, to uh, to Gwaine around uh, squid and the best tactics around chasing Mulloway. The same sort of um, tactics required here, fishing the Okaparinga. Okaparinga. And that's exactly how it's spelt. I copied letter no, no, from letter. It is. Um, but at Fish Over a Meter, we, we like hearing that. Uh, across the Apple Isle, Tasmania, there's been swords out of St. Helens and barrels out of Eagle Hawk, which we love Seeing Redmond once again, yeah. like if you're looking for a place to target them, um, and it's probably a charter if you're gonna fl- if you're gonna f- Lockie, you know, head Lockie down Nichols. There. Lockie Nichols is a great one to follow. We followed him on social media and we've had him on the show before. We might even get him on in a couple of weeks, Pat. Have another chat, see how the season's panning out. But uh, he's out of that Eagle Hawk Neck region, and my God, they're getting some good fish there now. Fish and he had one during the week. It was ninety kilos. There's bigger ones, there's smaller ones. The it's ki- great. And we had uh, the boys from Helco on. Uh, Helco Lures, that is, uh, a couple of weeks ago. The King Brown Laser Pro, 190, doing the job once again. Yep. It's a really good size fish. We had the boys from Seismic Fishing on as well, and they did some really good sword da- sword fish. They've now tagged five swords for the season. Kept, I think they've kept a couple too. So that's, that's, that's very good fishing out of Tassie. Absolutely it is. Uh, let's finish off with Victoria and go a little more in-depth in terms of... Um, Western Port and Port Phillip. Let's start with Port Phillip. So, oh, we'll go on Port Phillip. Can I, can I, can I just change your little structure? Can I go to the oh, east yeah, first? Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to bring it from the All east. Right. We're going to start at lakes. Now, the swordfish 
Adelaide's during the week. There was they had the they got the Simrad Classic on at the moment. Yes, there was multiple. Swords. How long does that go for? Good question. Don't you know. Don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. You can have you, a look at that you, while I report this. Simrad, yes. Simrad Swordfish Classic. <laughs> so the Simrad Classic's on, but there was multiple fish being caught as well as bycatch. I know Richie Baller got a massive big eye thresher shark, I'm pretty sure it was, and which is oh, they're, they're as prehistoric as what those swords are. So that's I wouldn't be disappointed if I caught one of them, that's for sure. But plenty of swords being landed as well. Uh, heading back into the uh, rivers and estuaries, uh, the... Sorry, Lake's Entrance first, actually. Yep. Plenty of whiting still and offshore snapper, plenty. Then going to the river and estuaries of Gippsland, uh, big flatties still getting caught. That runoff of that temperature, there's still big flatties being caught. Coming into Western Port, Gwaine did some serious damage on some big squid, like two plus kilo. Right how, through Western how, Port. How are you finding? Obviously, not, it's, it's not like you are at different stages where you're looking for the... You just, yeah, he's just, you just find, go yeah, to your spots. He's just drifting the shallow, yeah, the weed beds at Western Port, and there's plenty of big fish there. So he's done really well there, and he's also got some really good whiting too. Coming into Port Phillip, I got some massive squid during the week. Like, I got one that was so, just around that three kilo mark, and I got a handful around that two kilo mark too. So really, really good squid fishing in both bays, and the whiting were very good, even though the tides were a bit crappy. I'm going to ask the good. question that you're going to shoot down straight away. What colour any, any specific squid jig size or colour doing the best work? Well, people ask we this... Cut? We've got to end this show People now. ask this question all the time. They send it into our socials When I all own the my time. tackle store, the answer will be different. <laughs> that's the thing. When you own a tackle store, that's when this question comes in. You need a red, pink, blue, green, purple one. The problem is you need – I have I've been using a black squid jig at the moment and I haven't changed it. <laughs> it comes down to the size of your jig. So I'm fishing your standard three to five metres. I'm using a size 3 yep. The tide picks up. If I can't hold, I change to a 3.5. I don't care what colour really goes on. The colour – it makes me upset. Changing the question uh, – changing the topic. We're heading to the Glenelg. We mentioned Mulloway with Gwaine earlier in the show. Yes. Uh, but – We've got uh, brim and perch, estuary perch, being caught too. We've also got those big boys, the big barrels that started up out of Portland as well, Patrick. So they've started to show up, but the school fish have done what they can do and they've disappeared. Right. Don't know if it's a moon thing. Don't know if it's a tide, dodge tide thing. Will they come back? I don't know. I'm sure they will, but they are gone. Chris Vasilevsky, five charters, no fish, nothing, no digger, Chris. Sharkland charters, all the charter they're, boats. They're all the same. There wasn't one small bluefin caught out of Portland over the last weekend. So it's only barrels down there then? I, they couldn't find them. They went to the shelf. They got a few football-sized albacore, so quite very small albacore yep. on the shelf. But where the hell are they going? I don't that's know. That's a big trip. We'll see what happens there. this weekend. Yep. There can be a whole different story. Fish can rock up. So next week we might report something different. But that there is pretty much what's going on in Victoria. Can I just uh, finish that off with... Oh, I've got one more. Big browns out of Lake Parambit. There was a few caught during the week. Nice. Western Lakes. This is the 2023 Simrad Victorian Broadbill Swordfish Championship. Started on May 13. Ends on Sunday, June 11. Oh, a bit of time to join if you want to. That there, Redmond, is the whip around and what's biting in your part of the country. The Real Adventures Review for TJM. Take the lead with TJM. Proudly the first Australian-made and manufactured four-wheel drive equipment since 1973. Welcome back to Real Adventures. Our review this week for TJM. Well, he's Salt Guide's own, one of our Real Adventures regulars, uh, Gwaine Blake, Gwaine's professional services. He's also uh, a partner of yours, Aaron, as uh, 
what would you call yourself? Salt guide guiders. <laughs> Experts. What, Something what, like that. What do you call yourselves? Um, Probably the, the, the fishing experts. The gurus. Now, Guano, thanks for joining us this Mod- morning. I'd say the models. <laughs> You've had a cracking trip down, um, well, pretty much to the, the border of South Australia and Victoria. I'll let you elaborate on it. And you've taken your new 2250 Ultra Cab, which is one of the sexiest boats on the water, I believe. Tell us a bit about your latest trip. Okay, so um, it's probably a little bit early in the season, but we wanted to do it for Salt Guide and all our members. So we shot down early, knowing that there was a few fish starting to turn up. And so Nelson itself is a little township right on the South Australian border on the Victorian side. And as you go up the river, because the river's about 30, 40 k's long, there's one part, there's a big sweeping bend that actually crosses in the South Australian water. So there's probably about a kilometre of river where you cross the border. There's a little sign on the river itself. So you're now in South Australia and you go past Donovan's Landing and up around the corner and you're back in the Victorian waters again. And depending on water temperature and where all the bait is and all that sort of stuff in the river itself, that, that fluctuates from rain and then obviously this time of year everything's cooling down. Um, that depends where the fish are and where, where the mulloway are. So you've got to find, using all the electronics, which we were using um, Simrad with structure set, scan, I can go up the river and scan both sides of the river itself by driving up the middle. And then I can actually locate schools of uh, white bait. And then from that, you'll find brim and estuary perch that hang around it. And if they're there, generally, if you spend enough time, you'll find the mulloway off the sides of them as well. So Nelson itself, how far from Melbourne, how far is the trip for, for you? Is it something that you do in a day, you live in the morning? How much time are you yeah, allocating so I, for a trip I live like on, I live on the Mornington Peninsula. The thing that probably comes into my mind for it is I have to actually drive up through the city and round. So we decided to depart at 9.30, coming off the back of peak hour, and then travel down the coast so 9.30 leave got us there for around 4pm that was with one stop so it's around 6 hours 6 and a half hour tow when, now Gwaine when you're targeting the Mulloway so you said you mentioned before the full moon example is the best time now's a little bit early but when when would you pick the exact times with tides etc do they make a difference when you're fishing somewhere like the Glenelg yes so it's tidal um and you can get what we call dodge tides. It happens a lot down that sort of area through Portland, Port Macdonald. So a dodge tide is one tide is so small that it, the actual effect of it has no no current change. So that particular day, we went down knowing it was a dodge tide and we only fished the whole flood tide, which was an hour and a half. That was the incoming tide. And then the, the ebb tide, the outgoing, actually went for 13 hours. So once that change had come through, I just pretty much gave up because Mulloway, although they fight very well, they can be quite lazy and they'll sit behind ledges and rocks like a trout would in a river and they only sort of venture out and start feeding around tide changes. But the other things that can help you are sunrise, sunset, and then also lunar rise and lunar set. So a lot of people think moon rise is at night a lot of if you actually watch the chart sometimes moonrise can be right in the middle of the day mm. 
So those things help you as well. So how do you plan for these, Gwaine? Obviously, you've fished for a really long period of time. You've got a huge amount uh, of knowledge. But for those people, uh, and whether you're a Salt Guide member or you're just an everyday punter, how do you plan for conditions where you know it's a decent drive to get there? What websites do you sort of look at that, that will help people to get a good gauge on the conditions that are ideal to, to, to sort of chase the, the target species? Well, you're never going to um, not miss. I don't think I've ever missed down there. So even going down on probably the worst moon and tide, which we just did, we got we got fish. So it, it's and it's also one of those places that the gorge itself, like it's over the cliff tops, are over like twelve meters high. So if you're prepared to wear a rain jacket, if you don't have a cabin or you've got your nice cozy cabin. You can pretty much fish it at any time. You don't have to worry about weather. So then you can book it in three weeks in advance. You don't have to worry about what the kids are doing, you know, for footy or whatever. Whatever you got to try and work out, it's it's that easy. You can just lock that date in and go down there. But what I would do is if if you are planning on going down there for three or four days, spend at least a day beforehand or like a couple of days beforehand and get yourself some small. Port Phillip Bay calamari, only those little sort of 150 mil hoods, the little ones, and that will probably give you your best chance at a mulloway. You can go down there and catch live baits, and people have caught them on dead fish as well, but I find just going down there with those pristine, fresh calamari work better than anything else because I, I know that I'm going to get a mulloway and I don't have to worry about a live bait or anything like that. I'm trying to keep it live and... And the other thing is obviously trying to keep your noise down because this is an area where it, once you get up there, if you take a breath and just sit back, it's dead silent. So yep. Mulloway Creek is a habit. So you probably your, your biggest thing to worry about is actually boat noise, you moving around on the boat, no radios. So every time you make a big noise, that's a chance of spooking a fish. That's so, probably the key things to think about. Before we get on to the... 2250 Ultra Cab. Just talk to us about the gear that you're using to target these fish. So you've spoken about the bait and how you target them. What about the actual, um, the rod, the line, the reels? What are you using and what are you recommending so to people? I, I just recommend your standard Port Phillip Bay snapper rod. The only difference is me and Red like to use braid. Um I like braid down there because I can cast it a little bit further and I can actually hear it zipping through the water at night before the, even the, you'll actually hear the rod groan and the, the line zip through the water even before it takes drag. So that you know gets you up and looking before before it even takes off. Um, so anywhere that's six, well, 8 to 16 pound or right up from 10 to 20 pound, nothing bigger than that. Uh, Braid-wise, 35-pound braid, uh, uh, probably 1.5 metres of 35-pound mono, straight to a 6.0 Kamikatsu inline circle hook. And that's basically it. And we run drag-wise maybe like a kilo of drag. So the fish will run and hook themselves with that circle hook. Serious question now, Gwaine. Serious question. For a serious boat? Very serious question. When is Stabycraft going to fix your boat? 
because that windscreen's on back to front. It's got to be. It's got to be. You can't sell a boat that ugly. It is beautiful. You cannot sell a boat that ugly, Patrick. It is beautiful. Well, I just, they put the super cab on the wrong way. The super cab's beautiful. I think you're, the super cab is a I beautiful boat. Matt Watson, Matt Watson summed it up the best about Stabycraft <laughs> is people do consider them ugly, but there's also people that like Hummers. It's that square box. <laughs> it's, it's not the sleek... And even if you look at a Ferrari nowadays, they're starting to go square as well. So, um, But the, the way that windscreen breaks backwards, there's a couple of advantages. One is it doesn't get the sunlight on it, so your salt doesn't dry as quick on the windscreen. Yep. And when you're traversing at night, you don't get the reflection from any of your electronics either. So they're probably the two advantages. And then the other one is actually gives us another 20% higher cabin. So people like Pat's in there, not rubbing his head on the ceiling. I think you, H- hence that why Aaron that doesn't have an issue. That wasn't width, was it? We weren't talking about width <laughs> of his head. So you've, no. had the, you've had the boat a while now. Um, your feelings, you obviously went out in one before you bought it, or you've been out in Stabies yep. for, for, for a while. You've obviously owned a, I think it was an 1850, um, Claxton. So between, between me and Craig and Red now, we've had seven... Stabies, all different models, and and actually yeah, new models as well. So and they've, the only got, they've only got one windscreen backwards out of no, the seven. I was about to say, <laughs> and, and is this the best? It is for me. Yep. Everyone's got their own opinions of boats. I've been lucky enough to guide on pretty much every model, and everyone would dream about the 2750, but the 2750 needs a big tow vehicle and big motor package and everything else. So the 2250 is the walk-around cabin, so I can walk all the way around it. We've gone out and caught barrels in it, put the barrel at the side of the cabin, so then you can still walk around the front to the bow and walk back again, and then you have a clear deck space down the back. So there's a lot of advantages that work for me, um, but yeah, some people might not like it. it the, the actual cabin, it's based on the old 1850, so it is a little bit tighter than most people would expect, but... I'm not a big bloke, so I can just slide between the seats easy enough. And um, it, but I can fish anywhere and do anything in it. I I like to do for anything from squid fishing with six mates on it, casting all the way around the boat yeah. to parking up in a river for mulloway or dropping life baits over the side for big tuna. It all works. Gwaine, as always, we love having you on the show. If anyone wants to get in touch with Gwaine, you can go to his socials, Gwaine.com professional services is of course uh from salt guide as well one of the salt guide anglers with aaron um the a to z of everything you needed to do whether it's targeting calamari redmond or it's heading offshore chasing barrels or heading down to the glenelg uh the boys have you covered at salt guide Gwaine, thanks for your time this morning on real adventures thanks guys take it easy cheers Gwaine. that was for tjm take the lead with tjm quality four-wheel drive equipment You're listening to Real Adventures. Welcome back to Real Adventures. We are on the home straight now. Uh, Redmond, you have, of course, have your barrel talk at midday today. Now, it's not too late to book a ticket if you're looking uh, to set up your boat, the A to Z, when chasing barrels. It's really quite simple. Uh, head to Aaron's socials and you can click through the links. There's all his last posts have all been uh, around this barrel chat. It's being held at Melbourne Marine Centre. Um, it is possible 
it may not be. I'm just going to say it right now until you look at me and go, no, that's not possible. Oh, it is possible mm-hmm. to walk in and say, I'm here. I haven't booked a ticket, but I can come in. Is that possible to do? <sighs> There's a couple of tickets left. Okay. You might have to be really We're not going really over. Polite. We're not going over 40. We're All not right. coming in over 40. You know how strict we're being with it? Yep. I'm not even taking mates with me All right. because – I've got a couple of helpers, yep. but I'm not taking... Well, I've got a couple of mates who are like, oh, I'd love to come and listen. I said, you can't come because... No, it's an intimate it's in, Yeah, I want it to be... I don't want to have 46 people there where there's an extra six people. Oh, it's 40 max. We've worked out the number roughly that I can... The areas I can sort of control, and we've worked out to be about 40. So there's a few tickets left, so head to any of my links on my... Oh, any of my social media pages and self guides, and that'll put you in the right uh, path to find a ticket. I think there's a few left, so... Now, your tip for the weekend yeah. um, is quite relevant for, for boat ramps. We often talk about how they pretty much should be a reality TV show, the amount of things that go wrong. But around uh, launching and retrieving your boat, this centers around retrieving it and how far to back your trailer oh, in without your boat your, floating off. Even putting your boat in the water, Pat, the amount of... I saw... The reason I've written the tip, I wrote it in my phone during the week, I watched two cars that I timed two days in a row back their tyres into the water in their car. Most of the ramps around... Let alone the trailer. And oh, the trailer up. was 16 foot that's deep. That's in Port Phillip. Basically, yeah, that's, that's actually a new dump. But basically, don't put your car too deep. Just yeah. keep it shallow. Like, you don't need... Keep your trailer shallow. So, what I mean by this is, as a rough guide, your trailer guard has a step on either side. It starts from the back, rolls over the top, right to the front. Yep. When that front goes under the water, that is enough. Having your exhaust bubbling away in the water is not good for your brand new Nissan V8 Patrol that I seen doing it yesterday or the day before. It, two cars in a row, burying their cars, salt water, doesn't do it any justice whatsoever. So use it as a guide. Front of the trailer. Every ramp's different, but that's a guide. If you need to go slightly deeper or pull it out a little bit, whichever way it needs to be, do that. Yep. But the deeper you have your car, the more flotation you have. So number one, you're not going to come up straight because it's going to you're just going to be floating on the on the trailer and you're not gonna you're gonna sit funny when the boat then when the boat rest comes to rest, you're going to be sitting funny because the trailer's designed to guide you in a straight line. Yes. So you come in with a little bit of water and then it guides you straight and you sit dry. Where when you float it, you're going to float and sit. But not only that, if you come in with too much water and you've got a boat catch, your front's going to float above the boat catch and you're not going to grab. Yes. So there's so many different arguments you could have, but just don't park your brand new Nissan Patrol V8 that I seen a couple of days ago. Uh Exhaust deep in the water. It's not going to do it any justice. It's now time for the flying gaff, Patrick. What have you got for us? Yeah, the flying gaff. Now, we reported on this uh, a few months ago, uh, but there was a boat seized in an abalone bust. Um, two recreational fishers, they lost their boat. Oh, this one in Fi- Queensland. Yeah, 55 yep. grand's worth. Now, they have lost their boat. They were sprung at the time with 10 times more than the legal bag limit of abalone. Uh, and now it is a official or official uh, that they will not be getting their $55,000 boat back. The man was fined two grand. The woman ordered to make a $1,000 contribution to the court fund, um, as well as not getting your boat back, Redmond. That is an no, expensive. I don't, it is expensive, afternoon. but I'm not happy with it. You wanted it more. Well, the amount of money that Abalone can be, I can guess, be sold, sold for. for as such. You're going to find on No, so ban. Big, just ban them. Yeah. Take the boat, take the lot, and give them a 10 year ban or a five year ban. No, 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 I agree with you. Look, I reckon that's crap. You will, I don't think and, you know exactly what it is. Like, you know it's wrong. You can't... Like, the reason they're selling... There's one reason they're selling abalone, and it's to make a profit and money. You're not allowed to do it. If you're allowed to do it, I'd be doing it. Yeah. Because, like, legally you can, if you do the yeah. right things and get the right tickets. But 
you can't do it. There's people out there that pay millions of dollars to have so you these would license like to, fees. You would like to, yeah, you would like to see um, ban them. Yeah, done. You stuffed up. Don't get a warning. You know you're not like they How much were they over? They were over a stupid amount. Ten times the amount. Ten times the amount. So, so they haven't mean. accidentally taken six abalone. <laughs> like it's ten times the amount. They're making money, and they'll all they'll do is buy a new boat for another forty grand, and they'll make do another the five hundred thousand dollars that year. That's how much abalone can go for. There's, there's a reason people sell it illegally. Some food for thought. We hope you've enjoyed the show. Aaron's got his salt guide talk this afternoon. Once again, if you want it, uh, some some very late tickets, there's still some available that we've had held over for our Real Adventures audiences. Simply head to Aaron's socials and you can do that. We'll see you on the water next week. This has been Real Adventures.